Rolling. All right. I'm going to jump straight into a pretty deep question, simply because you're someone that I look up to, uh, especially in this scene. Um, leadership. It's a. Uh, it's a. It's a pretty loaded word, right? But mm. what does it mean to to you? Wow. What does leadership mean to me? Um, this is a really interesting question for me. And it's because I just, it's something I've looked more into in the last couple of years and thought about more. And I think it's also a definition for me, um, especially as I've had different mentors in my life, um, learned different things from them, been a leader in different positions. It's, it's kind of changed, um, you know, to some extent, man, there's so many pieces here, you know, in the simplest way to be a leader, I think it's a really important thing to me as a leader and what a leader is, is someone who works with one or more other people to achieve a common goal. And I think some of the, and this probably goes into less of what is a leader, but important characteristics that I think a leader has, but I think what a leader should have is the ability to recognize what they don't have in themselves, who around them does it better, and then use their resources to uplift those people so they can all reach that common goal. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's maybe an imperfect definition, but um, you know, those are probably those three main things of working together with a group, um, recognizing your own strengths and shortcomings, and then, using your skills to uplift the strengths of others to help everyone achieve that common goal. I think those kind of three buckets are, are three things I think about are really important when it comes to leadership. So, and like I said, that's something that's definitely changed for me over the years. And, you know, the list of qualities I think allows somebody to be an effective leader is probably more numerous than that. Mm. But, um, I get a little frustrated sometimes in my own head with that definition, because I think, you know, the long, the more I've looked at myself, the more I've wanted to be a good leader, the more I've found myself looking and learning leadership lessons from people who I don't think would claim to be leaders or claim to put themselves out there as leaders. But I think there are so many places to learn lessons of leadership um, and this, and what I mean by is like a good example is like, imagine somebody who is taking like command leadership, they're put in a position of leadership, they're, they're instructing, you know, others what to do versus someone who just acts the right way, quote unquote, or does the right thing, or you see somebody do some random act of kindness, you know, it's like, I don't think that person, you know, walking across the street and, you know, holding open the door, or helping somebody who dropped a grocery bag is imagining themselves as a leader in that moment. Like, well, I'm going to lead and help this person pick up their grocery bag and we're going to pick up their grocery bags together. They're just doing something that feels right, you know, the next right thing to them. And, um, you know, when I see stuff like that, I'm like, oh, that's a really cool lesson of leadership. Or maybe it's a lesson of a quality that I want to have as a leader. I'm not quite sure which is which, but, you know, I, I struggle sometimes with that notion of, you know, a leader is a single person who, you know, is motivating a group. I don't know if that's the exact right fit, but um, at least in my head, that's where I, those are the scenarios where I find myself most as a leader is trying to coordinate multiple people to accomplish a, a specific goal. And, but um, that's, that's a lot, it's probably more than you needed, but I learned less lessons of leadership by, you know, 
I feel are elsewhere. And I, I don't, it's hard for me to like pin down the definition of leadership. Mm. And I don't, yeah. I don't think there is one. That's, I think that's the whole point, yeah. right? Because everyone, like you said, there's no perfect definition of, of leadership, but I think it's, it's ever evolving. Like as we learn new things and meet new people, right? Like it's like, Oh, I'd never even would have thought of it that way. Okay. I'm going to take a little bit from there, take a little bit from there. And then you create this like little hybrid definition. And then the next day you learn something else it changes. Um, but something you touched on that literally knocks me for six every time is like someone doing something like the doing of the deed if you want to use yeah. the the man in the arena quote like that that to me is like a, okay cool you're doing it all right that's that's leadership to me rather than sat at the back or sat at the front and be like hey i'm going to do this or it'd be really cool if we do this it's like well you know if some butts never get anything done it's like actually <laughs> doing the work gets the work done um yeah and yeah i think um I think you touched on a really important point of just like, oh, someone with the grocery bags, like everyone can be a leader. Right. And this is also a beautiful like point of, of, of our job. Like we get to stand at the front and 10, 12, 16, 32 people in front of you. They're all leaders to, to us rather than just, we're just one leader to all of them. And I think that's, yeah. uh, that's one of the greatest things of our jobs. Right. I think so. Yeah. I mean, from, from the coaching perspective, you know, it's funny because listening to you talk about it, we define, um, we define technique as um, the movements and positions used to accomplish a task. And what's interesting about that definition is it's pretty, it's pretty like blah, you know, it's pretty basic. But what's really cool about it is it leads open the opportunity for us to qualify it and quantitate, you know, make a quantitative assessment of it in the terms of like, we could have effective technique. We could have ineffective technique. We could have good, you know, whatever that means, technique. We could have correct. We could have bad. And, you know, I think I wonder, sometimes I wonder if there is this definition of leadership that kind of falls in, you know, to this bucket where like a really useful operational definition of leadership is pretty simple, but then, you know, it allows us all of these ways to evaluate it. You know, there's, there is, you know, what we might believe is good leadership, bad leadership, positive leadership, negative leadership, effective leadership. And I wonder, I do wonder about that a lot. Cause like you said, and like we talked about it, so I just, I do, I see it everywhere. At least the longer, like mm. the more I've yearned to be like, man, I want to have qualities of an effective leader and I want to be a good leader. And, you know, part of that's like, well, okay, what the heck is it that I, what is a leader one? And then two, the more I've yearned to like satisfy those, those things. It's like, I just see, I see leadership everywhere. And, um, you know, there's just always lessons to learn, like you said. 100%. And it's just like the uh, the uh, definition of virtuosity, right? Yeah, we've got like the basic do the common uncommonly well. And everyone's like, yeah. what the hell does that mean? You're like, <laughs> well, and I think the, I think it's the 2014, 2013, I think. There was like a hour-long documentary that came out. And um, I think it was Austin that kind of like dubbed over as some video was going on. And it was just like, virtuosity is when you look look at something and go damn that's beautiful and i yeah. find like leadership is the same thing it's like it's not just completely like quantitative you just look at it and you just go my god like yeah all right that's leadership that's big me up like they didn't have to shout from the rooftops or anything so i think it's really fascinating when we have this like just this little term where it's like all right it's it's this but then it can go in any different direction you want to go and then you obviously you, you see 
you, you you hear other people's points of view on it and it's i think it's fascinating especially from a yeah, coaching really, perspective yeah it really is and and i i'm I'm, a, I'm hard on this idea that you know and i've talked about this a lot in different places but this i hear people talk about being a coach and i ask them what do you do and they're like oh i'm just a coach and i'm like what i mean i get it that like if you're a part-time coach i get the fact that like the pay might not be great and the grind is hard Mm. and um you know and and it might take you might have to work two part-time jobs or three part-time coaching jobs but like i'm a i'm a really personally i'm a really big champion of teaching professions you know i i and part of that is because it's where i feel an immense amount of value in my life i feel like i'm able to add value with my skills to the lives of others and you know coaching i think falls you know dead smack in the middle of of the teaching profession so i when people say like oh i'm just a coach i'm like no, you have a really big impact on a lot of people's lives. And it's, it's not a lot of, I think in this current, probably social climate, it's not highlighted enough when we have a captive audience who wants to learn from us in a supportive, positive, productive way. You know, I think a lot of people right now have captive audiences that just want to, you know, learn, you know, listen to, to respond, not understand, you know, listen to critique yeah. or, or listen to comment on. And, um, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I think I think coaching is um, such a. I'm happy I found it. I think it's such a special thing, and just being able to teach to people who want to learn from you. It's and that's a powerful tool, right? You have to be careful with that. You can't just be feeding them nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you so. say jump, they won't even ask you how high. They'll just go for a max height jump. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah. what? Like, give me jazz hands yeah. during the warm up, and they're there doing this. You're like, wait, I was just having a. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it, that reminds me of a story. So, you know, gosh, um, Denise Thomas, um, said I've worked with for years and she's a head coach down at uh, Reebok CrossFit One and she's worked on seminar staff, she's a flow master, she's in the leadership role and um, has been for a very long time. But I remember one day we were in a class, she was coaching a class and she told this, I think we were doing, we were doing push press and she told one of the members something to the extent of like, you're not allowed to drop that bar. And, or, you know, you're not allowed to drop that bar until you get four reps. And Denise is a great coach and she's a compassionate coach and she's a caring coach, but it just shows, you know, so anyway, the young, the young, the kids going through his four reps and you can tell he's struggling, you know, he gets to his fourth reps and Denise is like, hang on to that bar. And he brings it down and it hits him in the chest. And it was one of those things where like it hit him in the chest and his legs sprang up in the air, you know, like a, like a, like a seesaw. And it was like one of those things where if you didn't see him in front of you, talking to you, telling you this story, you would have thought he was dead. Um, but it was this, you know, and Denise went over to him and she said, why did, why did you, why did you not drop the bar? And he's like, cause you told me not to. <laughs> and it's like, man, I mean, it's just, you, you think about that. And it's such a simple, small example. And, um, but it does remind you, it's like you do, you do have a lot of a huge effect on people's lives. And even if it's an hour and a day, and even if it's something niche like fitness, but it's like, man, you don't always realize the impact you have on other people. Sure. And you've got to be really careful, like the, the choice of words you use, right? Because some people take that word and they just completely run with it. And there's been times where I'm like, you know, I want you to dig yourself in a hole. This is complete lactate. And they're like, okay, cool. And then they like put themselves in a grave. You're like, oh, I mean, that was a bit too much, mate. Like you have a job in the morning, you've got to go to, you know, like you work a labor job, like calm down sort of thing. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, that reminds, that reminds <laughs> me of sometimes. Yeah. I had a member throw up and shit himself at the same time. Oh my. 
I thought only iguanas could do that. I I have no <laughs> idea how he did it. He must have been a little bit ill. Like, yeah. When he came back out, and I was but like, he, you know what? I got so much respect for that because you put yourself in that hole for your class, right? And and for me at the front, I was like, no, you can sit out the last set. Don't worry about it, sort of thing. Yeah, go go change your your trousers. <laughs> yeah, calm down. You don't have to yeah, get man. back on the rower. I know, right? And that's the thing. It, it's crazy to see. Not crazy. It's really it's it's really amazing to see people's um, willingness to go, and um, you know you know do what they tell want you what you tell them when when they really believe in you and they trust they trust your best interests mm. you got to kind of check yourself too like you know sometimes if you're being like a little glib or just you know in my head there are sometimes where i'm like i wouldn't you know i wouldn't listen to myself which maybe this is a bad thing as much as other people might you know and so it's like i'll just say stuff like oh yeah and then like you said you'll watch them do something and you're like oh that's not really what i meant <laughs> yeah but, um yeah, it's just it's a super powerful tool and um, demands a lot of respect. And it's it's just a lifetime learning process, you know. I'd, and it's something I'm excited to learn about more. And and clearly you are too. You know, the the older I get and the more I the more I learn, the more I'm like, wow, well, I need to know even more now yeah. about leadership and motivating people and teaching people. So it's Pandora's box, right? It really is. Uh, yeah. Like from from an outside looking in, you're like, oh. I you know, I, I teach an air squat and we kind of use a barbell. You're like, oh, okay, good luck sort of thing. Like, yeah, you teach the movements, but then you coach the individual and human beings are so frigging complex. Like mm -hmm. the, the amount of times that they come to you and then they're like, I don't know, entrust you with something psychological that's going on. It's like, oh yeah, right now you're no longer a coach, you're a counselor. You're like, what yeah. do you mean? I didn't sign up for this. I was like, yeah, but they're trusting you so yeah good luck a lot of trust too yeah yeah a lot of trust yeah I, I really do believe that I think especially coaches who do it well like I think they have a really hard job and I think they have an incredible soft skill set and you know it's not just it's not just the knowledge of the movements or energy systems or programming or variance or <clears throat> you know muscle structure it's that they you know they're interpret the best coaches have like this intense and amazing emotional intelligence and their interpersonal skills are off the charts and, um, and at first, yeah, I, I definitely, you, you, you get into it. The first time you have a moment like that, you're like, wow, I never signed up for this. Like, I didn't know this was going to be the case, but, um, it's very cool. hundred mm, percent. And I think it all goes back to just caring, right? Like if you don't, if you don't care, like an ungodly amount, like just don't get into the industry or like maybe dip your toe in the water and figure it out. Don't just jump straight in and start doing like. 15 hour days or something crazy. Yeah, it's, it's definitely hard, I think. And I think that's probably a mismatch with it, right? Like what I think is super cool, especially about something like a training methodology like CrossFit is I think it is really accessible and I truly believe it's really safe, at least in my, you know, 13 years now of doing it, 10 years now of coaching it. Um, I do believe it is really safe, but it's like, that can kind of trick you, right? Like you can think you are a lot more effective slash better than you are. The program works well, even in when misapplied, you know, yeah. it's like, I see people get fitter, faster, stronger, not get injured, even when they're not doing it terribly well. And, you know, it's easier, like you said, if you're, if you don't have that constant desire to like, Hey, I, I care enough about my people that I want to get better. You know, I care enough about myself, um, you know, as a coach that I want to improve my own skills. I care about myself as a professional that I want to 
you know, learn these new X, Y, and Z tricks. So I can bring that to my clients and I can get them better results or whatever your ultimate goal is. But yeah, that is an immense part of it. How would you end up um, teaching that to a younger coach or a younger person that wanted to come in to the fitness industry, right? And especially the, the functional scene that we're in. Yeah, this is a really hard thing. And, and it's something I think about a lot because, um, you know, someone asked me a question recently. They're like, you know, what, what's the one lesson you wish you could have taught yourself earlier on, or you wish you could have applied earlier on. And one of the things, you know, I, I wish I had spent more time when I was a younger coach, you know, student of life. I wish I had spent more time assessing what I was actually good at and why I was good at it. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, what we talked about this and what do you call it? You call, it's called um, unconscious competence. That's what it's called, unconscious competence. Um, and I, I, it's a good point to get to from a, from a practitioner standpoint. It's good to have unconscious competence because that means I can do a lot of different things without thinking about them, preparing for them too much. But I think as far as like being able to teach and train others, um, unconscious competence can be a little bit dangerous and, and can make you a little obsolete because if you're not paying attention to how you've learned what you've learned and how to do it well, or how you do something well, it's really hard to pass that on. And that's something I think about a ton as a coach, because a lot, and, I, and that especially is the case with a lot of these, you know, quote unquote, soft skills, these personality skills. It's like you hear people talk about, they're like, oh, you know, I watched you coach today and you just weren't charismatic. You just got to be more charismatic. And like, that's so maddeningly unhelpful. Like be charismatic. Okay, great. I'll be charismatic. Sure. Um, you know, and how do you, how do you teach somebody to, how to teach somebody to do that? I think from a practical standpoint, you know, one of the first things I think that is important to empower new young coaches with is, and looking back on it, I was in an environment where I had a lot of mentors who just did this to me. And now I took it, I don't realize it until now, but they did a really excellent job of giving me space to make mistakes, to learn, but they did it in an environment where um, it was constructive to make mistakes. So if I made a mistake, they weren't beating me over the head. You know, it was, hey, that's not quite the way to do it. Here are some other ways that you could try it. Go out there and try it again. You know, they get, it's like, it's like they, gave me, they gave me guardrails. And I think you can do that for yourself too if you're not in a space with a lot of mentors. And I, I personally feel like that starts with this notion of accepting the fact that regardless of what we're going to do, like whatever our, like our, our job is coaching, but it doesn't matter if your job is coaching or being a computer programmer or learning how to ride a bike, whatever the skill is, it's just giving yourself this acceptance that you are a human creature. You're going to make, you're going to make mistakes. Um, everybody around you that you see is great, regardless of what sort of bravado they carry have made a lot of mistakes. Um, and it's not going out there and making mistakes that is the goal. It's understanding that mistakes are going to happen when you push yourself to get better. And the best tool set you can build is being able to accept mistakes, look at them objectively, learn from them, and then think about what could I do differently next time. And I, and you know, it's like, that makes sense to me. And I, and I don't always know how is the best way to engender that in someone but I think, you know, giving permission, people permission to be young professionals and understand that 
all professionals make mistakes and on the pathway to being really great, you have to make mistakes, take time to learn from them and give yourself a chance to be better than, mm. than the mistakes. And, you know, if you can be in an environment where you have mentors and teachers who do that for you, it's amazing. You know, I count myself seriously lucky to have been around people like that the majority of my life, um, at least in a career. So, and that's looking back on it. That's what kind of one of the biggest things I notice now. And um, I think it's important for, for younger coaches who want to really be good at this skill to have. Yeah, hundred percent. And like having those like garden posts is something I absolutely love because it's like, all right, cool. Cause there's many ways to skin a cat, right? There's so many different ways to do it. And especially there's so many different learners within, within one class. So you could have that mentor turn around to you and be like, okay, cool. Name me five different ways you could coach that class. And then yeah. obviously you break it down. You're like, okay, I could do this. I could do more of this, more of this, less of this. And I'm like, all right, in the next three weeks, coach one class in each of those different ways and then dissect whether it went well and whatever. And then the synergy of the people within the class, because that's obviously if if the people in the, in the class are different, then the way you coach needs to change and adapt a little bit because some people might not understand the words you use some people might be a little bit more visual or, or any of that sort of stuff but just being having the having the rain and the slack to be like try it because like members love it or especially what what i've seen is like if you try and all these different things i'm like well four of them are going to be like 80 percent good 20 percent probably wasn't the greatest but you're trying and it clearly shows that you care. And then you end up nailing that one class. You're like, wow, that class was on fire from like minute zero to minute 60. And members are still coming back to me and like, like oh, I really appreciate the way you said this or went this or whatever. And that only comes because you tried the four of the different ways and it didn't kind of work out the way you wanted it. And then you're like, all right, cool. Have the strength of character, but also the confidence instilled in you from the owner, from senior uh, coaches, from members, and just being like, hey, try it. Why not? See what happens. Yeah, no, it's you hit it dead on too. Like members watching you try to get better. You know, it's like that. I really think it's like, um, you know, like an honest willingness to like make yourself better, you know, in the service of others that's, that's obvious to the people you serve. Like you said, you know, it's like they do, you know, people see that and they see like, <clears throat> Oh, he or she's trying to work on themselves. They're clearly trying to get better. Um, and I think, I think that's contagious, especially in our environment too, of like fitness, like personal improvement, like that's contagious to members. So like, I want to do that too. You know, like they remember like, that's why I'm here. Mm. And um, I think that's a really important, I think that's a really important thing. And it's, it's cool. when when I, you know, it was cool in, in my memory to when people were like, hey, you know, last time you coached me was, was six months ago. And like, man, that class was great now. And it's like, you've, you've changed so much in the same way that like you go to one of your members and you're like, hey, man, I remember when you first came in and your air squat, you know, you were really struggling with that. And now it's like your air squat looks great. You know, just to share in that, that process is very, very, very uplifting. It's, gen it's a genuine thing, too. It's, it's super uplifting. 100%. 100%. 100%. I, yeah. yeah. Someone ever came to uh, came to me and was just like, Hey, like, yeah, the way you've done that, or I can see you've, you're clearly putting in a little bit of extra time and work and it's, it's really paid off. So I appreciate it. You're just like, ah, oh, that, 
that's all the um, satisfaction you need, right? That is, that is everything you need. I've helped this person. I've helped at least yeah. one person. So all that work behind closed doors is is worth it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, so like running an affiliate, are you running an affiliate at the moment? Yeah, we currently have an affiliate um, here in, in Boston called uh, CrossFit One Nation Boston. And um, it's a special place for me because um, the affiliate, the, the doing business as name is CrossFit One Nation Boston. But the CrossFit affiliate is CrossFit Boston, which is really cool because that was the first affiliate um, when I moved to the city that I coached at. And um, the owner's name was Neil Thompson. I've stored, told this story a lot, but it's something I'm proud of. And um, so my partners and I, we purchased it back in 2017, which was really cool. Also for the fact, bless you, that um, that CrossFit Boston was like one of the first 100 affiliates. You know, it was, it was affiliated in 2005. So it's just a, it's a neat, really, really neat thing for me to be uh, a part of that, that legacy, right? So we're coming up on almost 15 years of, of this affiliate existing, which is pretty cool. And it's existed in different parts around the city. So, yeah, so we're running it and um, we're finally back indoors. People got masks on, which is fine, but um, you know, that, that hasn't stopped our members. We even had a, in Boston, they, they weren't allowed to go inside to work out inside through most of, uh, I don't even remember now, November, December, maybe J December, January, it's March all of a sudden. But um, I think through most of December, January, they weren't allowed to go inside. And we had a pretty hardy crew of people, you know, you know, 15 to 20 members who would come in regularly daily and they were working out outside. And we didn't have like the nicest of winters. So yeah, nothing stopped them from getting fitness. Yeah, you get those crazy members, right? That would just, if hell freezes over, it's fine. They're still going to be there at 5.30 in the morning. You're like, please just like calm down. Like it's okay. We, we have this one member, Steven, and he's, he's 60. I think he turned 63 this year and he's who I want to be when I grow up, man. He, um, you know, shows up consistently, works out outside, complains zero, um, you know, wakes up, wakes up, swims before class comes in, does a six 30 class, smile on his face, sharing information. Great person. You know, it's like, it's like, if I, if I'm that guy, when I'm, if I'm him, when I'm in my fifties, life is going to be okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, they're, they're an amazing group, but yeah, we're back inside finally, which is, um, which is a big relief to everybody. So um, it's been great. Yeah. yeah trying to get great. back to business as usual. Right. And doing, doing what we love yeah. in the way we want to, we want to do it. So like yeah. 15 years, that is, that is a long time of, of being an affiliate. Right. So that, that's yeah. incredible. Like how has um, how has the the model changed? So like running an affiliate is rough because it's it's you yeah. know, the business side, and we're like, well, we're coaches, so do we need to know the business side? Well, well, yes. Yeah, yeah. I would say you know that's probably the first biggest thing I would point out, and I think that's always been there. But it's like, um, you know, I think it is enough to go into this job with passion and to just be like, I really want to um, teach people about fitness because I love fitness and I love how it affected my life. I mean, that's why I started. I had no desire to be a coach. It wasn't my, that wasn't what my, my university training was. Um, I was just doing it as a part-time gig because it was, I liked working out and then, you know, fast forward now. And I don't, can't imagine my life without coaching, you know, <laughs> it's good. I'm sure you can relate, relate to that. But, um, so 
I think it's enough to just be passionate, but I also think the one other thing you need is just know what you know and know what you don't know. Hey, I'm super passionate about opening a gym and that's, what's going to drive me to coach every class for the first year as I open it and do a 5.00 AM class that I'm going to coach. Like that's that passion that gets us to do and gets us over those humps to do those things and make those Herculean efforts to, to get it done. But it's also really, really crucial to know what you don't know. And, and if you're the passion guy, then you should also be like, yeah, but I have no idea how to create a business plan. I have no idea how to do a PNL. I have no idea how to charge members or anything like that, or talk to people about memberships. And so from there, you've got to kind of use that passion to empower some other goals. But um, how is, you know, that's one of the biggest things I've, I've seen the model change. And I don't want to call it the professor professionalization of CrossFit, but I think to some, you know, cause there's always been, professionals doing it and i think regardless of the size of their gym you know i wouldn't use that to qualify whether or not somebody's a professional um but i definitely see the education at least and the, the prevalence of people talking about business for you know business sense for affiliates and those small businesses that's definitely way more prevalent than it's ever been i think that's a big change to the model i think um you know one of the other things i've seen and i laugh at this just because I was this, but it's just the swing of, you know, the swing from there was the CrossFit level one methodology, um, constantly varied functional movements, executed high intensity, you know, three to, you know, five to six days a week, rest two of the days a week, you know, warm up for 20 minutes, work out for 20 minutes, cool down for 10 minutes. I mean, it's just like, that was the level one education. And then we've seen it go through these ebbs and flows throughout the year, especially, especially in our affiliates. Um, even more, especially in individual athletes. But, um, you know, for a while it was like the strength bias plus the Metcon thing. And then for a while it was like, just do as much volume as you absolutely can, because that's what the games athletes are doing. And that's what we need to do. And, and I used to be super righteous where I was like, Hey, if you're not doing exactly like they told you at the level one, then you're not doing it. But then I became a competitive athlete. And it was like, so when someone would come up to me and they'd be like, well, I want to work out six times a day. It was hypocritical for me to be like, well, you shouldn't. Cause I, that's what I did. And right. I did it because I like doing it. So, um, you know, so my point is it's not to say that you can't do that stuff, but it's been really cool, um, in being able to instruct the level cross at level one seminar courses, cross at level two seminar courses, seeing more people come back in and sort of shift back to the middle, mm. you know, with that approach of like, Hey, I understand I could compete. You know, I understand I could bias my programming, but, um, I also understand that the thing we've been talking about for the last two decades, the methodology we've been talking about for the last two decades that we talk about at the CrossFit level one, that works, still works. Not going to stop working. Um, doesn't mean you can't want more or do things a little differently, but it's been really cool to see that shift back to middle of people really understanding, believing, desiring for like, Hey, I want to just do that basic one hour a day, you know, approach. And, um, change it up throughout the week and rest here and there, and then use my fitness to go outside of the gym. It's been really nice to see that shift back toward the middle. So those are probably two, there's more, but those are probably other than just the growth of it. That's the obvious one, right? Mm. When I started, there was less than a thousand affiliates. There's 15,000 affiliates worldwide. Like that's an, that's an, it's crazy for me to think about. Um, you know, the fact that you could go walk around almost any continent rocking a CrossFit shirt, and there's a, there's a good chance you're going to bump into somebody else who does CrossFit is, is something I never, ever, ever imagined until it happened. So 
you know, those are the biggest changes I see. Rule number one, right? Tell someone you do CrossFit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The hard, yeah, right. The hardest part about hanging out with people who do CrossFit is they never stop talking about CrossFit. Yeah, yeah picking That's their calluses so and. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Did you do that workout the other day? I was like, can you just shut up shut about up. working out? <laughs> like we're yeah. here for a beer and you're talking about fitness, please. It's like, well, yep. it's interesting. Yep. How many macros do you think this is? Yeah, yeah. Now just drink it, man. Just drink yeah. it. Just get it in you, mate. Yeah, like yeah. I think um, the program is a really interesting aspect, right? Because I think I think human beings were pretty daft, so we like to go to extremes. We like to push the boundaries. So yeah. you, it's like a pendulum, right? You grab one side and you throw it up to one side. You go, I'm going to go super strength bias. I'm like, why? Because you've seen Louis Simmons on West Side. He's a powerlifter. Or you've seen uh, the weightlifting, well, that's weightlifting. Or you've seen gymnastics, well, that's gymnastics. We kind of like dabble in it all. And then it will swing the other side and be like, oh, well, the games do a million workouts in the space of 12 hours, so I need to do that. I'm like, yeah, but they don't do that all year. Like if they did, they would break. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, yeah, eventually it starts to centralize, you know, and they're like, oh, well, I did this and it worked for a while. And then stop working. And then I did the other one and the same thing happened. But then if you sit slap bang in the middle, guess what? Like you're going to, yeah, it might be progress is slow, but you're going to continue on that linear progression or as, as close as damn it for a while. And I think that's hard, right? You know, and I definitely fell into this trap and I fall into this trap with other things that I pursue and want to do, but it's like this idea of like, all right, I'm starting this new thing. I'm going to be the first person to finish this thing and beat this thing and win this thing fastest. And I, I definitely think it's easy to bring that mentality to your, your fitness. And then you start to realize like, Oh, you know, it would be even cooler if I just had a long, slow, gradual level of improvement throughout my entire life. You know, it would actually be an Epic bummer. I think if, you know, at, at 25, you know, you just do, you do one week of workouts and you do seven workouts a day. And then all of a sudden after that week, you've got all the fitness you're going to need for the rest of your life. You don't have to work out again. You know, and I think sometimes it's, I, you know, it's easy to get stuck in that mentality of like, that is the goal. Like if I do more, go faster, bias this, bias that, then I will beat the game. I'll beat the game of CrossFit at some point and I'll be done with it. But it's like, I think the reason a lot of us got into it was to try and derive a quality of life that was long lasting. And, you know, that takes a little consistency and a little discipline. (laughs) It does. It it takes a lot of tripping up, right? It takes a lot of going too hard and, Oh, you've, you've done overhead movements six times this week and it's Tuesday. No wonder your shoulders are banged up. Like, we need to probably calm down with that or you're hitting like an insane amount of volume and not doing any mobility and not sleeping more. And then you've got a stressful job and it's like, well, why is this working? I'm like, why, why did you think, you know, I want to muscle up. Um, okay. Can you, can you do a strict pull up? No. Then why do you want to throw yourself over the bar? Like, that's not a wise idea. If it goes wrong, like you're screwed. Yeah. Cause it looks cool, um, but you know, it's, cool, it yeah. is, it's, it's such like many things in life. Like it's, it's just, it's a, it's a journey and the consistency long-term, you know, the other half of that is not even just working out too much. It's, it's working out too little, you know, and that's, and it's just real, that's something I have, I have worked on and dealt with, you know, since stepping away from competing. And this was three years ago, three and a half years ago um, is like, 
is it so worthwhile training if the goal isn't to just win the games? And it takes a while. Like if that's been your sole goal, you know, or you've, you've had an attitude, like you either do th- something at a hundred miles an hour or zero, you know, it takes a while to be like, Hey, all you got to do, man, is, is what you did before you competed is show up, you know, five times a week, work out consistently, you know, enjoy it. Cause it makes your life better. Enjoy it because you're not a turd when you work out, you're in a better mood, you're a nicer guy. Yeah. Um, you know, just understanding those, that half of it too, you know, it's like the, the, the flip side of it. It's not the overindulgence, but the, but the underuse of the tool. Mm, allow it to, to provide and improve your life, right. Rather than take things away. It's like, now nah, we use this fitness realm to, to be better humans outside of the gym. Like no one cares. Matt Chan said some of it um, like uh, years ago. And I thought it was fantastic where he was just like, no one cares like what split you can hold on the rower. Like it's all about what you can do outside of the gym. You know, like yeah. people within these four walls might be like, yeah, good job, dude. I give you a high five. And then when you leave, it's like, well, well what, what, what is it? You know? Yeah. Use it again. Yeah. And at all levels, it is true. It's like, it is impressive. I, I'm impressed by, you know, to this day from, from athletes in the gym, but what I'm always most excited to hear about is when, you know, I see the person who just, you know, PR their squat comes in and tells me that like, Hey, I was able to wrestle with, you know, my kids this weekend for the first time in a year, or I was able to, you know, I carry the groceries in and every night and I don't worry about it. Or I deal with, you know, this, how, you know, something, whatever. I was at my job and I didn't get hurt because of this and i think that's like the most most important thing and the most exciting thing to me Mm. and sometimes it's easy to get lost in it right and i think that comes from sport because like modern day sport like everyone wants to play pro ball right whether it's yeah american football (laughs) whether it's rugby whether it's football it's you know european football whether it's hockey whatever it is everyone wants to go pro um so what is the mentality of a young lad or lady that doesn't necessarily have the greatest of mentorship, if any, it's like, Oh, I'm just going to outwork everyone because that's what you should do. I'm like, that's true, but it doesn't mean you should work out every hour of the day, all day and not know what you're doing. And then when they come into the CrossFit scene, usually they, they get tied in with the whole competitive stuff simply because they were a competitor or they were an athlete. Then they adopt the same mentality. Right. And it's like, Oh, wicked now i get to go hard and coaches tell me to go hard okay cool i'm gonna do like double sessions double days i'm like mate why are you making money from this no well what what are you doing oh i might be able to go to the games i'm like yeah you might but like let's let's calm down a little bit yeah or is that even what you want to do yeah and i think too like we were talking about you know it's like i think the secret you know the secret is this and that is that you know you will still get, you know, all of us, you know, 99, I'd say all of us, all of us doing CrossFit, regardless of level, games level, not games level. Like, I think if we, all we did was, you know, warm up one workout, cool down five days a week for the rest of our lives. I still think we all get fitter, you know? Yeah. I think that's the secret you lose sight of. It's like, regardless of what the goal is or isn't, it's like, that still works, which I always, is like, it's an amazing thing to me. You know, it's like, I'm a believer of the program. Obviously I've been involved with the company. I've been involved with the practice, you know, the methodology for 10 plus years, but there are always moments where I remember that I'm like, oh yeah. Or like, you know, I won't have worked out for a couple of days or I'm having a bad day and then I'll go work out and I'll finish the workout. I'm like, oh yeah, I do feel better. <laughs> you know, it's like, you just forget. It's so easy to get lost in all the other stuff or your other goals where you just forget about, you know, 
how simple it can be or straight. I shouldn't say simple, how straightforward it can be. And also, I think being okay with your goals and the way you train adapting over time, right? Because sometimes you might go, okay, I'm going to make that decision to become a little bit more competitive within the CrossFit realm or the gymnastic realm, weightlifting realm, powerlifting, whatever. And then you're going to have to train a little bit more and your life is going to have to gear a little bit more towards that. But then being okay with like dialing that back and be like, hey, like I'm going to concentrate a little bit more on stuff I've got going outside of the gym. And then that will inevitably affect how you train. So you'll come in and do your one hour a day. You'll just, you know, eat right, sleep, you know, work out for that one hour hard, five days a week, three to five days a week. If you genuinely can't get in, I'm like, okay, cool. But like, you know, being okay with it, it will ebb and flow, like we said before, and and just being all right with it. It's it's hard talking to ex-athletes and I feel it. Because like yeah. I swam and then I played rugby and I'm just like, well, what do I do now? And I'm like, well, hang on a minute. Like you killing yourself every day in the gym for multiple times a day. What are you getting from it? Like all you're doing is like scratching a mental itch. You're not actually gaining anything. So yeah. sometimes that hard conversation is, is needed to be hard with yourself. Yeah, no, you, yeah, you definitely get it, man. I, I totally get that. It's just the, the, when you have that huge shift in goal, especially something where you're dumping that much resource into, um, it is, it's, you know, and I do think there are points of life and training where it's good just to just go with the flow. You know, I think there's a lot, it's probably not something in some aspects of my life. I'm very good at that in other aspects. I'm not, but I think there's a time and a place for it. But I do think also it's like, it's good to, you know, make yourself the main character and, you know, think to yourself, Hey, what is, what is the next step I want to do in this role? And where do I want to go next? And you know, what is my goal? Why am I training five hours a day? I mean, I, I actually don't want to train five hours a day. I'd rather be out, hang out with my buddies, you know, going, you know, whatever skiing. Um, so I'm just going to train one hour a day, you know, having that, taking that time to make that goal assessment is, is really important. And I don't think it's something, you know, I, and this is going to sound funny, but I don't think people pay enough attention to their own lives to do that kind of stuff you know it's like maybe they do and, and I just miss it but you know really pay attention to what is it that I want to do with my life or what am I currently doing in my life and is that driving toward my goal you know like I think about that a lot you know like I find myself I'm definitely a personality that that gets a little obsessed and you know whether it's work or fill in the blank to whatever it is there are a lot of moments where I find myself doing something and I'm like wait wait what am I doing all this for? Why am I so anxious about all this? You know, like, what am I doing? Am I driving towards something? Am I doing this? Cause I feel like I'm obligated. And um, I think that happens a lot in training. You know, I see that, like you said, coming from the athlete realm, competitive athlete realm where you've known it for most of your life and then changing that. Oh, I need to still work out for six hours a day. You know, I still need to be the fittest. And I'm like, oh, do I, do I need to be the fittest? Do I actually want to be the fittest? Or is it just, you know, I like being the fittest back then, but I really want to change now. It's, you got to examine that kind of stuff, you know, pay attention to those details. I think to long-term short-term. Yeah, yeah, sure. Show up to the gym, do what you want, but long-term. Yeah. hundred percent. And like, I know you and I see eye to eye on that and are very like philosophical and a little bit, you know, stoic, if you want to call it that. And you kind of sit down and like ponder over a lot of things. And yeah. a lot of people don't simply because it's like hard and you don't really know where to go. And it's, you know, it's, it's difficult to like 
delve inside yourself, right, to dissect a lot of things. Oh, okay, I understand a lot more. But yeah, it's a really important tool. And if you understand yourself, then you can like communicate a lot better, right? And you can understand other people. Um, but also like if the athlete needs to be at the top, I'm like, that's wicked. You you need to train all that time. That's that's amazing. But then if they just want to train all the time, I'm like, that's yeah. okay as well. Like that's that's you, yeah. man. But then like at the same time, have an informed decision. Like you want to train five hours a day, we'll stick a number on it. Awesome. You do you, man. But then if you turn around and be like, oh, well, my relationship is actually going through the shitter because I'm like always tired. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> welcome to being an athlete. Like it's, it's not fun. Like 99% yeah. of the time is not fun. And you're like, well, what, what am I supposed to do? I was like, well, that's where you need to like look at yourself and be like, you know, Hey, I'm going to get, make this informed decision. And then, you know, especially when you've, you've got a loved one around you, that's a difficult conversation to have when you're always going to be in the gym. Yeah, that's actually, you know, it's funny you say that the relationship thing, it's one of my favorite things when, when um, in our sport in any sport, but you know, in, in CrossFit when, when, you know, and it was cool seeing Matt Fraser retire and it was cool seeing him say things like, you know, I haven't gone on a date with my fiance or had a real date with my fiance and, you know, X amount of years or X amount of weeks, or, you know, I don't remember the last time we went on a date and I don't remember the last time I went out with friends and did this. And I think it's really cool to hear um, athletes who have had that much success talk about that. Cause I do think it's a good reminder of like, it's not to say that what they do is unattainable. I mean, it's certainly amazing. It's rarefied air, but it's, I think it's really good to know, like, you know, when you hear those people who are like, I want to go to the games and it's like, awesome. I've no desire to quash your dreams or squash them, but it's like, is it that you really want to go to the games or you want people to know you're a games athlete or you want to have the notoriety of going to the games. And it's the boat, always the better question is, okay, cool. You want to go to the games, but are you passionate and willing to do all the stuff it takes to go to the games? Yeah. And I think once you write that list out, you have some people who are like, yep, going to go do all that, you know, rain or shine, win or, win or lose. I'm going to go do all that. But a lot of the times I think when you do that analysis, you might realize, well, you know what? I don't want to go to the games, but I want to do this other thing. And I'm um, like you said, I do think it's important every once in a while to just pay attention and have those informed decisions, especially when we have like these big lofty goals, or especially when we've been doing the same thing for a long time, you know, and might find ourselves kind of be like stuck in that rut. Mm. Yeah. I think it's super cool to hear them, them talk about that. 100%. He said something that was like hit the nail on the head for me where it was just like, like he mentioned about not being, not going on a date with Sammy. And he said he's no longer willing to make that sacrifice. Yeah. Which is, like, it's a really cool thing to hear. Really cool thing to hear. Cause I'm like, okay, cool. Like you were willing to do that. You had that conversation. That's how your family structure is. And now for your family, you're no longer willing to do that. And having, the confidence to make the decision and then also make the decision to to not do it i think that was i think he he couldn't have done it better you know he could have just turned around and be like now nah, i'm the best see you later you know yeah. which is you know some people do in some spots which is which is cool that's their decision but shedding a little bit of light have been saying hey like we're in the realm of fitness so we've got to be able to do everything like i'm no longer willing to like structure my entire life and the lives around me to to work out at the end of the day yeah. it's, it's adult pee like we're yeah. not i'm not 
I don't, I don't want to do that. And I, I think that, um, I think that opened a, a, a lot of people's <laughs> eyes, especially yeah. when, even if they, you know, haven't been an athlete, haven't tried to be pro. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And they get a little bit mixed up with the whole competitive stuff in CrossFit and they want to, they want to keep going and, you know, go as far as they can. I'm like, all right, wicked. But do you, do you genuinely know the sacrifice you're willing to take? Like, think about it a little bit. And if yeah. you, you think about it and you're still willing to take it, incredible. I'll do everything in my power to help you get there. Let's go, sort of thing. But, like, have the informed decision and be like, yeah, like, there's going to be days where, like, it will affect other people and you need to be all right with that and so do they. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and I don't think it, like, I don't think it squashes, you know, I don't think it's, like, you know, I don't think you're going around squashing people's dreams by, by, you know, having them work through this, this process, or, or at least, you know, nudging them to think about like, Hey, like maybe really evaluate what things are you willing to sacrifice to get there? Cause I mean, excess takes success. Like if you want to be really, you know, excessively successful as a CrossFit games athlete, there needs to be some other thing, other vehicle of excess that's going to drive that, you know, like you're not going to, you're not going to become a, a, you know, the, the most winningest individual CrossFit games athlete by being, you know, pretty balanced in every area of your life. Like, it's just, it's not the way the math shakes out. And um, I, you know, and I don't think you go around quashing people's desire and excitement by saying like, Hey, what sacrifice, you know, if that's something you really want to do, what sacrifices are you willing to make to get there? Or what, um, what things are you willing to do to get there? And Cause sometimes I think in that analysis, people actually re might realize what they're more passionate about or, they might realize, you know, actually how to drive to a nearer and more satisfactory goal. You know, I, I had a friend, I was a, I was a crappy high school student and um, I liked high school. I liked talking to people. I liked hanging out. You know, I liked all that stuff. I didn't like the academic part. And there was a college I wanted to go to. And I, I said to one of my friends, Hey, I'm going to go to this, this, this school. And he said, you're never going to get in. And I was so mad that he said that to me because he was a really close friend I like I worked really you know it made me reassess my goals and it was like well right now he's right I'm probably not going to get in there and it I looked at what I had done I looked at what could I do now in order to drive toward that goal and I did everything I could to get to that goal and turns out I didn't end up getting into that school um, but you know the schools I got into I had all these other crazy awesome opportunities and um you know i was able to get a lot of financial aid and a scholarship and you know it brought me closer to boston which ultimately brought me closer to crossfit so it was like you know in pursuit of that one goal where i was able to look at like well yeah absolutely i can get in and when he said that i can't you know it made me analyze like well why can't i get in there what am i not doing you know what am i willing to do to get in there because i kind of was in a spot in high school applying to college where yeah he was right like i wasn't in a good spot to go to go to you know to get accepted anywhere um and it, it turned out it, it worked out very much in my favor but um i think only because i was like all right well he's right it is a reach for me to try and go there what am i willing to do what am I willing to sacrifice to try and get there? And, you know, along the way, I think it led to something, at least in my opinion, led to something pretty good. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, which and is like, cool. 
you know, the real conversations are always needed to be had. And, and most of the time, the real conversations are the hard conversations. And it's, you know, it's hard to say, it's hard to hear, but at the end of the day, like that's, it's, that's where you're going to benefit from the most. Like everyone can kind of tiptoe around you and be like, Oh, it's okay. Like, don't worry about it. And then, you know, you get to the end, you're like, well, you didn't tell me. And then you just, you get in that whole blame and negative circle. Or you could just say, Hey, you're not going to do that. Why? It's like, well, cause right now you're not doing the steps towards it. Like you're not taking any steps towards it. Like, Oh, well that could annoy you and light a fire underneath your ass and you go and do it and then turn around and see in hindsight, you're like, Oh, I needed that conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you. Or you could be, you know, in the moment, if you are a crazy individual, which I'm not, I'm super passionate and I'll probably need about half an hour and I'll turn around and be like, Oh yeah. Thank you. Like, I appreciate, yeah. I appreciate your honesty, but like, I kind of just needed to go for a walk or whatever, slang and bang a babble. Um, and just be like, Oh, I really appreciate your like hundred percent honesty. That shows that, you know, you respect one, the relationship, the friendship or whatever. And then two, like me as a person, Hard conversations, mate. They're hard to have. Yeah. Funny that. But it's so, and it's funny, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about, though. You know, it's like, how do you create, you know, in a coach like that, that desire for care and that, you know, that, that ability for growth. And it's like, if you have that skill set of where, you know, you don't have huge expectations and don't hold on to resentments when someone has a hard conversation with you, it's like, yeah. you know, someone says that to you and you're like, Oh, cool. Roger that you're right. I probably couldn't go to the games right now. Or yeah, going to the games is going to be really hard. I better get my shit together to figure out how to do it. And, um, or if you can have a mentor group or a friend group or significant, who, you know, fill in the blank, whoever, whoever's on your team, you know, who can, where you have learned that lesson of, you know, don't take everything personally. Um, you know, think about what is being said rather than who is saying it, how they're saying it is there any valuable information to extract out of a, out of a perspective or opinion that's not yours. And then, you know, hopefully you're, you're around some people who can say that hard thing, but they're also like, but you know what, if that's the path you want to go in and it's going to be hard, we're here to help you out. I mean, like, that's like, the more you can find and be around people like that, I, I think um, regardless of career, especially in our, our career, that's um, that's essential. Mm, they need to be able to give you the confidence to enlighten you and, and move forward and, and pursue whatever you need to pursue. But at the same time, they need the confidence in themselves and in the friendship to then turn around and be like, Hey, you missed the ball on that one. Or, Hey, you're completely out of line on that one. You know, it's like, yeah. nah, you need to shut up. Like, it's like, why It's like, cause you know, that thing that you said, yeah, you completely stepped over the line sort of thing. And they're really hard. Yeah. It's really hard to come around that. But once you have it, that's where the growth occurs. Right. So it's, you know, uh, Denzel Washington said you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with yeah uh, it's true right because you end up pulling each other forward and then if they go off into a wrong path you pull them back and then you shove them back onto their right path they do the same for you in and out of the gym um, and yeah if there's any profession I mean we're biased right but if there's any profession that needs that it's it's going to be coaching especially at like five o'clock in the morning yeah, I, th- I think so. Cause it, yeah, like you said, you know, it's, it's not a, and we were talking about, it's not a, it's not an easy ride to start, you know, it's, 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 and it's not a clear path. And, um, and part of that, I think it's cause it's an entrepreneurship business. It's yeah. a, it's a, it's a people service interpersonal relationship business. Yeah. It's just, it's not as, as clear cut and easy as I think 
and I don't, you know, I don't I haven't had many professions, so I don't know, but I, I, I don't think it's one of the more straightforward professions out there. Mm, it's really, it's really hard when there's no ladder to climb. Right. And uh, especially because, yeah. because CrossFit is still an infant. If we look at it. Yeah. Um, we're like, Oh, we don't know the best way of to, to do this. It's like, well, how do you want me to do it? I don't know, like figure out a way and then we'll talk about it. And if it's better, we'll do that. If not, we'll do something else. You're like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I love it though. It's like the pioneer, you know, it's kind of uh, the age old saying, throwing off shit against the wall, eventually something's going to stick. So, yeah, it, it is. It's fun being a part of that early adopter wave. You know, it's like, I, I do think it is cool to be on this side of it and then and then have certainly it's been so fun to watch it grow. Yeah. You know, it's been, you know, the other thing I noticed, and I forgot to say this earlier, but I remember this happened probably one or two. What was, what year, I think it was, this was 2017. It was, um, there was a workout in the open. It was snatch and pull-ups and the snatch weight went up, I think, or something like that. I think that was the year, but the, the final weight was like 265, you know, two snatches at 265. So that's like a hundred and, 15 kilos no more than that i'll get like 20 kilos we're getting there it's a lot of weight 265 divided by 2.2 well, 120 like yeah 120. 120 there we go yeah it's like 120 kilos that's like a it's a boatload of weight and um i was at a seminar and i was just chatting this chatting to this one young young man and, and he oh i did the open work i said really cool what'd you get and he's like yeah i finished it and it didn't really process it just was like, cause you know, that's a lot of weight. And I was like, Hey, I said, wait, you know, I walked away from, I was like, cool, man. I walked away and I was like, Holy shit. And I turned around, I was like, you finished it? He said, yeah. And I just kind of was talking to him. You know, like he hadn't been doing CrossFit very long. You know, I don't really know if he had intentions to compete or not, but like the fact that there are just people walking around in the you know community who can do stuff like that now the growth of the fitness inside of our community globally is is also pretty crazy to see you know it's like i don't like to call crossfitters average because i don't think they are um but the average crossfitter their level of fitness i think is is you know is is even like astounding and, you know, don't even worry, don't even worry about the games athletes. It's just people coming in and out, you know, going to nine to five jobs, working at a desk, coming out of your gym. Like they're just doing crazy stuff. Yeah. It's really cool. You see, really you cool. See, and that's definitely something that I've noticed has changed consistently. hundred percent. You see someone yeah. like, you know, works out three to five times a week, you know, posture ain't the great greatest or, you know, has, has way too many beers on the weekend sort of thing. Next thing you know, like they pick up a hundred kilos and throw it up above their head. You're like, wait, hold, hold on a minute. Like, yeah, what are you doing? Are you doing? <laughs> and then yeah. like running in and out of the gym, like slanging them, banging, like throwing kettlebells, pulling from the rig, like swinging on the rings. Yeah. yeah might not have got a muscle up, but is like absolutely laying it down. Can kick up into a handstand, which is like a massive psychological barrier as we know. And you're just like, what's going on you're like an average dad or an average mom yeah whatever that means yeah no, that means, i feel the yeah. same way yeah i feel the same way it it it's lights good, yeah. me up i don't know about you yeah. it absolutely lights me up the handstand thing is funny i don't think i've seen i think i've seen the most the most times i've seen an adult cry is the first time they've kicked up into a handstand push-up whether it's fear nerves surprise 
you know, happiness. Oh. But uh, yeah, you're definitely right. Like it's, it's, it's certainly like a psychological thing to get over. I think it's a thing that like you probably did once or twice as a kid and then forgot about and thought to yourself, oh, I'll never do that again. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you just do it and, and it just, it's probably pretty overwhelming, but um, that's one of my favorite things is when people first kick upside down, how excited they are for that. Yeah. I think it's because it, part of you is like, well, it's not that complicated. You are just kicking upside down, but then you think in the grand scheme of things and the, the, the physical barriers and mental barriers we can put on ourselves, it's probably a, it's, it's a huge accomplishment. hundred percent. Like it's funny you say that because cool. uh, the, the thing that I've seen people cry of the most is a box jump being out. Oh jump. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, jump on a box because people just take it for granted, right? We're leaving the ground and then eventually we're going to land back again. It's called gravity. Like, you're going to be all right. Yeah. And they're like, no, no, it's no. Not, it's not going to fail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to jump and just float, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and they're like, no, 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 I can't do that. I was like, what do you mean? I was like, no, no, no. There's no way I can do that. I was like, okay, jump on the spot. They jumped on the spot. Like, so you can jump but I can't jump on that. I was like, all right, we'll start low. And then like the first time um, someone jumps onto like, whether it's a 20 inch, 24 inch, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. They land on the box, stand up and turn around and they're like tearing up in their eyes. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. It's a, yeah, you're right. Box jumps is another one. I, I forgot about that one, but that is very true. And they like, just, they get that, they like run up to it. And then all of a sudden it's like they ran into a wall. They just freeze. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No box jumps are yeah, same thing. Yeah, there's a lot of there. You know, there's a there's a huge pleasure as a coach to see people get so excited um, over something that seems so simple, um, but is you know, and for them may not be at the time. But it's very very cool. Mm. And then also the practical element, it's right? Very, very cool. You, you see a you see a wall and you gate gate vault it or jump over a wall or whatever. And like the amount of times I just hop over a wall and don't even think about it. And everyone's like walking around to think, trying to find the style to get over. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, just hop over the wall. It's like 20 inches or whatever. They're like, oh, no, no, I can't. It's like, what do you mean you can't? Like, you can step on it. It's okay. Um, and then you see people just being able to do stuff outside of the gym. Like, uh, it, makes it yeah. makes it incredible. All right, brother, I really appreciate your time. I'm going to have to well, shoot. It's interesting you say that. I mean, that was definitely the, the most... Oh, okay. No, 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 go on. What were you saying? What were you saying? What were you saying? Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, like, it's funny you say that. The thing I noticed about about my mom, like my mom is as she got fitter, you know, and she started CrossFit at 54. She's 60. She just turned 61 last weekend. Um, The physical stuff changed, but emotionally, psychologically, she was a totally different, mentally, totally different person now, you know, like confidence wise approach to things. You know, it's like, it's cool to have your 61 year old mom talk, talk trash to you in a workout, you know, but you know, that's like the tip of the iceberg. There's just been so much different about her now that um, has nothing to do with how, even how her body changed just from the success and the consistency and the discipline of it. I absolutely love that. Cause my mom's exactly the same. Like, um, I yeah, that's she, cool. she's only ever been in the pool, like only ever swam and then did no other types of physical fitness, never ran her entire life. You know, the whole thing of like would, um, hide and don't do PE class at skills. So, you, you know, you, you kind of get out of it that way. And then the next thing, you know, she's like running in, swinging a kettlebell, like doing this or this. And you're just like, what's going on? And like you said, talking trash, like, and I'm like, yeah. what's like, going mom, on? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, God. No, it's, it's been, it's, you know, so that's a cool thing. Mm, 100%. 100%. Yeah, mate. Um, I'm going to have to shoot. I need to go to the post office real quick. So uh, thank you so gotcha. much for your time. Absolutely. Appreciate your time, Alex. Good to meet you, man. And I'm excited to read your book. Uh, I, I appreciate that a lot. Thank you. All right, man. Well, good luck to you and I'll, uh, I'll chat to you soon. Yes, sir. And if you're ever over in this side of the world, uh, make sure you get to the, the bottom island. You've always got a place. Doors always open. I will, I will, same, man. If you're ever up in, uh, ever in the States, hit me up, man. Well, I Thank appreciate you, that. All right, mate. Take it easy. Safe travels. Thank you. Bye.